The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Well, my name's Dave. Some of you know me, some of you don't. The, uh, um, I've been around long enough where there's times where I feel like people know who I am, and I did a talk with with uh, the college interns, and I was sitting down and getting ready to do my thing with them and kind of finding out where they are. And I love the college interns. They're, they're always the just sharp people. And finally, one guy just goes, mm, who are you? I have no idea who you are. Why? And he actually said this, and why I should listen to you. I just thought, that's a great one, and I can't answer the second one. Um, but, I, but just to let you know, I was a college pastor for about six years in the Midwest and uh, did a program that's a lot modeled uh, like the one here and um, came back, to, did my MDiv, did that, came back on another degree, and now I've been a uh, marriage and family therapist for seven years, which I can't believe. And, um, and then I love doing this work with John. I've been partnering with John since he's been here and, and just feel uh, so blessed to be able to come in here and, and share. And, and just to say this, that, you know, I really invite you all to, th- this is stuff that, you know, my, over, over the years, the older I get, the more I feel like, uh, man, I am so much right in the middle of this with you. This, uh, sometimes I feel like God just calls me to, to speak, partly because it's how God gets my attention and really gets me focused on stuff too. So I'm working through some of this stuff. We're talking about communication and um, the belief that, that one of the things that is so essential um, for for uh, relationships both with God, with each other, to, to work and to be fruitful, to be something that is life-giving, that brings life, is communication that works. And all of us know what it's like when communication breaks down, when, that, when, when there's that sense of, uh, I'm trying to get something across to you, or I'm trying to not get something across to you, or I'm trying to protect myself or do something... And stuff, something breaks down where we know the pain that that, that, that causes. So tonight, what I'm going to do, and some of you have heard me use this analogy before, but I'm going to give you maybe, I think, and I, I've checked this with John, this may be a land speed record. I'm going to try to give you perhaps more tools, points, than I've ever done in a talk. A record. I'm going for it. I'm going. I'm seriously. I'm. I'm like. I mean, you time me too. And I'm watching that clock back up there because I've got a certain amount of time. She's. You're on it. Um, it, it, it. We. John and I have been working on simplifying. I'm going the other way tonight. I'm just going to go. I'm just throwing it all. I'm throwing it all out. And I'm saying no tonight. I'm giving you everything. So we got a lot to do. If you've got a pen and paper, this is one of those times where you're probably going to want to bring it out and write this down. Some of this stuff may not be for you. Some of this may be for your parents. Um, you may be wanting to hand them, slip it on their counter and just leave it there. Let them kind of mold over that. That might be a nice little uh, thing to leave behind there. Or you may have someone that you're in a relationship with where this is going to be for them. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about one of the most difficult tasks in communicating. And that is telling the truth. Ugh. I... I, I, I almost didn't even want to talk about it. I, there's a lot of things I really hate. I hate faith. I'd, I'd, rather have, I'd rather have a relationship with God where I didn't require faith. I, faith is, I always hate it. You know, it's always one of those things where I'm like, God, I just want, just show up. I just want you to be right here. I hate, faith is hard because I have to lean into it. I, I don't like courage because it means that something's hard in front of me and it means I have to use it. I mean, I like the idea of it. I like saying I have it but I don't like it when I actually have to use it. It's always hard. 
I don't like the times when I feel that pressure or I feel like I've suddenly been jolted or jarred and suddenly it's a moment about telling the truth. That's hard. So tonight's one of those things where I'm in it with you. I'm in it with you. If you've got your Bible and you can see, go ahead and open up to uh, um, Genesis chapter 3. And I'm going to read for you. Genesis chapter 3. And this is one of those ones you guys know what I always say. You got your Bible. Underline, right? And if it's not your Bible, don't underline. That's vandalism. Yeah, that's what I was talking That's what my always says. That's someone would know that. All right, Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Eve... Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And that you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. That's a startling thing to go through. You're just eating. Okay, I've got no clothes on. I mean, you, that's the kind of the nightmare from grade school that you go, you know, you got, those are, we, we, you, those are like the, everybody's worst nightmare. It happened. Biblical, right in the beginning. Um, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. That's the other thing that kind of stinks about this story is there's not like a store they can run out and grab anything from. It's like, Ugh! I mean, it's kind of nice that they had a needle and thread with them. That's the thing that I always feel like God provided something for them. Um, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they did, and they hit. And what I love about this part of the picture is the calmness. You just have this sense of God at peace. The, the, the author even makes the point of saying it's in the middle of the day, it's cool, it's out there, God's just taking a stroll. There's a sense of nothing's, nothing, nothing to be alarmed about. And it says, They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, But the Lord God called to the man... And I love this question. This is, where are you? I don't think I got that quite right. I have this vision of God longing for him. Saying, where are you? I want to be with you. I miss you. It's been a long time. I want to spend time with you. I want to, I want to be with you. Where are you? And the man answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid Because I was naked. I was afraid because I was naked. I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked. I was afraid. I wonder if it's the first time he's ever spoken those words. I wonder what it was like for him for the first time to feel that sense of fearing the God that walks in the midst of the garden. He says, so I did something I never did before. I hid. 
And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And this is where how you hear this scripture to me is crucial. Because you can hear it in the voice of your parents and maybe it's, did you do it? That sense of incrimination. Or do you hear God's disappointment, the heartbreak, the sense of a relationship that we've had based on trust? See, I think the tree was about trust as much as anything else. It's just this sense of, you're honest with me, I'm honest with you. Did you do it? Did you break that? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Then God lays out consequences. Life's going to get hard. There's always consequences when trust is broken, isn't there? But I love at the end of this little piece of Scripture in verse 21. It says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. See, for me, what I love is that I know the things that I've got in my life that I've walked around that caused me to go into that place that, that Adam and Eve went to. I know that place, that place of wanting to hide, that place of just wanting to just not be seen as I am, of wanting to present something or present an image. Now, one of the reasons, this is the truth, one of the reasons why when I do speaking and I try to include the things I'm really bad at is because I really don't want you walking out of here thinking, well, geez, Dave's got it together. If only it could just be like that. That's just not true. Preachers can do this all the time. We get up here and we can hide just as easy by presenting an image. I know that place. Do you know that place? It's easy to do. It's easy to do. Walk into that workplace. Suddenly you can feel your personality shift just a little bit to present what you think everybody else wants you to see or wants to see. Play in that role. Some of you know how to do that. You slip into a role where you're the funny one. And it's a way of hiding. It's a way of staying unseen. You know what it's like. Or you slip into that role where you're always the one that's just like Jesus even though inside you've got some bitterness because no one's ever repaid you for so much of what you've done. So you put it on. I do. We can get into that place where we hide. What I love is that God in this passage is showing us and saying, look, I get it. I know that this is hard. But what I'm building you for, where you're going to feel most fruitful, where you're going to feel most alive, is when you are living a life based on telling the truth in the crucial moments. And that's hard. Hard to do. It's a skill. I read a book by a guy named Tim O'Brien who I 
powerful writer. He, write, he wrote, wrote a book called The Things They Carry. I think I'm getting that title right, but it's about these guys going to Vietnam and they carry these backpacks. He makes this analogy of these things that they put in their pack to get them through such a horrific experience. And he tells these stories in layers. So tell the story once, go away from it, come back, tell it again, but it comes out slightly differently. First time he tells a story about saving one of his, one of his fellow soldiers' life, goes on to another story. He comes back and says, well, actually, I didn't actually save his life and in fact I was hiding behind some bushes and actually was scared so bad that I, I urinated in my pants goes on tells another story comes back in tells a story again and actually I was so scared because I actually never fired a shot actually comes back around later on through the things like actually I did fire a shot and actually I did kill somebody and comes back around eventually it turns out he killed a little boy So I was just so scared. He says, I learned something that day. He said, I thought courage was something you stored up. You stored it up and stored it up till that moment when you're going to need all of it. And he says, what I learned is it's like a muscle that you've got to build up over and over again. You've got to do it in little moments. You've got to take little opportunities to build courage. Telling the truth, for me, is one of those same things. Telling the truth is like a muscle we've got to build up. And what God is saying is, I want you to work that muscle out. I want you to get good at telling the truth. And I'll tell you something. For me, anymore, if I'm out there in the city right now, alone, in my house or my apartment, and I'm wondering if Jesus really is who he says he is, and I happen by some chance to get invited here and somehow find my seat, and somehow manage to, to meet a few people, what I'm going to want to see is not a group of people that look perfect, because they think that somehow that's the only thing that's going to convince them that Jesus is real, because I'm not going to believe it. What I want to see is a group of people that know how to tell the truth well, are skilled in the art of telling the truth skill okay how many people have been here more than five times great can I have you up would you mind volunteering great would you volunteer too great might as well get a couple when I can who else been here more than five times no no one's going to raise their hands okay great go ahead come on up here would you come on up here great one two three who else been here more than five times Who's been here? Okay, great. Would you come on up here? Good. Would you come on up here? Oh, you, would you come on up here? Nice. Good. Come on up here, Tad. How many, got? How many people have been here? All right. On. Good. Come on up. Oh, good. Well, then you're perfect for this. There we go. All right. Here we go. We're right here and we're in a line. Okay. How many we got? How many people have been here more than 10 times? Right here. Great. Would you come on up here? Great. Would you come on up here? You right here? All right, great. Yes, you, would you come on up here? How many do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. How many people? Twelve. How many people have been here more than, say, fifteen times? Right, great. Right back there. What's that? You guys name with the glasses? And then would you? Great. Great. And then who else was back there that raised their hand? Someone else did. Raised more. Yeah, you, would you come on up here? All right, how many we got? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. How many people have been here more than, say, 30 times? Great, good. Come on up here. Good, now we got 15. 
Uh, no, it's, no, uh-uh, I'm not, I probably, is that you? There's no water glasses with the teaspoon. No, see, everybody here is like, see me do really mean things to people, and I promise. Okay, can we have my little, my screen, oh, we're going to have to make some room so they can see my little, my little screen. All right, okay, when I first had my, when I had my first house, back 29 years old, in this little shoebox little place in Wisconsin, and which I bought for like $97,000, if you can believe it. It was like just this little tiny, tiny nothing of a place. And so I started doing projects on it, and one of my best buddies came to help me do it. And he showed up that day, and I've told this story, I think, on the retreat. Um, but I showed up with my six little rusty tools that my dad had handed me in a, like a baggie, you know, like and said, here's a tool chest, son. You know, and I was like, oh, right. Dad and I just walked out there, and I'd left them in the lawn several times, so they were just coated in rust. And he shows up with his six or seven matching DeWalt tool chests, you know, with different kinds of hammers. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you for the, for the sound effects. That's right. That's right. Different types of screwdrivers. We don't use that screwdriver for this job, Dave. And he looked at me with this sort of sympathy, kind of a, like, oh, I'm so sorry. And actually, you know, was one of the guys that, that took me out to the Home Depot and actually got me suited up. Um, but, uh, okay, so today what I'm hoping is you're going to walk out of here with 15 tools in your tool belt. And I'm gonna, I am going to hopefully get through each one of these. All right? How are we doing on time? We're doing all right. Okay, the first tool. We're all the way down here. Would you say your name to everybody so everyone can? This is a great chance for you to get to know, by the way, if there's someone up here that you've been wanting to ask out, this is a great chance to get their name. Okay, so go ahead and say your name. Beth. Beth. All right, Beth. So imagine that Beth and I, Beth and I, she's bro- we're brother and sister, and uh, Beth and I, we go way back. And you know what? There's been there's been times in our life where um, she, you know she's caught me, you know, kind of uh, maybe t- t- taking a little bit more of the dessert from the from the uh, family you know dinner table and leaving her with these little teeny tiny pieces. And I come in, I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. So let's, let's just imagine you and I. You just came in and you see the cake. And the cake's got one little piece left, and you say. Okay, why'd you got to eat all the cake? It's about as good as it gets, Beth. That's good. I don't know what anyone's going to say on this one, by the way. This could go really wrong. Um, She could have just knocked me out. Um, uh, Okay, so tool number one. Do your best to calm and soothe yourself. This is going to be one of those tools you go, I know. But this is the research you're saying, and I'm not kidding you, this is the stuff that what happens is when I get accused when something has been going on that I know inside is, is, is something that I probably shouldn't do or I shouldn't do, and suddenly I'm confronted with the truth by someone looking me right in the eye, what happens is my heart rate goes up, and when it goes up to a certain level, a certain part of my brain, which is right there in the back called the amygdala, clicks on, and I've got three options, which is to fight, flight, or freeze. I can run, and so that is going, it's, it's like a, in the middle one is what oftentimes is, is if I'm going to tell something that's not true, which is, I don't know. Someone came in and ate it. Okay. What happens in that is that my brain is literally like deer in the headlights. That's a literal physiological reaction, which happens when a whole bunch of adrenaline and, and uh, blood sugars are poured into your body and literally makes your brain seize up. You can literally even hear someone in this situation. They can't talk. Because their frontal cortex is shut down. They don't know what to say. So one of the things, if you're going to be someone who's skilled in telling the truth, is when she says, Why'd you gotta eat all the cake? is to take a breath 
and calm myself down. The more calm I can remain. If you are under the gun and if you're in a position where you feel accused, the first thing you can do to be someone who's skilled in telling the truth is to calm your heart rate down. Remember, God was walking through the, 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 the garden in a really peaceful way. It's a chance to kind of bring yourself down. So before you answer, calm yourself down. Thanks, Beth. Let's give her a hand. Go ahead, tell, your, tell them your name. Robert. Robert. Okay. So, Robert. Okay, so here's the thing. Robert, I've been working for Robert for months now. And um, there is uh, been a problem in that um, I'm working there, and I actually think Robert's kind of a crummy boss. He, he's just not, and I'm sorry, Robert, it's just those things you do. I mean, the way you draw, you know, it's the way you look. You come in with your North Face on, like that, you know, all that. I don't know what they're going to, you know, we're supposed to be professional and all this kind of stuff. And I somehow I have an issue with that. So I walk around, and I'm kind of bitter all day. And I've got what is the propensity to do what's called a lie of omission. There's a lie of commission, which means something I actually tell that's not true. A lot of my lies come out as lies of omission. They're the things I'm leaving out. Now, i got a problem, because the more I work for old Robert here, the more I kind of get better. And the more I talk, and I, it makes me, i got to vent it somewhere. So, what's your name? I go tell Suzanne. Suzanne's my ear. We talk about it. She's just like, you can't, can you believe Robert? I mean, I just can't even believe she's, she's with me on that. So I start spreading that, you know, and she's pretty great, but she tells about three other people too. So pretty soon there's a lot of this stuff going on. You know, it starts to spread. So what's it going to be like if this is a group of people that begin to take truth seriously, not only in what we say that's false, but what we don't say that's important. Now, I've got a decision to make. Do I want to work for Robert? And if I do, if I decide, yeah, you know what, I need this job, or you know what, maybe we have a chance to actually to, to, uh, to improve our relationship, I've got to figure out a way to tell him the truth. But there's a power differential. He, he controls my paycheck. One of the ways through that is I can do what's called vocalizing the bind. Vocalizing the bind is one of my favorite ways of getting through a tough situation. Here's what it's like. I said, Robert, so we're sitting down, and I want to tell you that I really do appreciate working here, and I'm in this bind because I feel like, in some ways, if something's going wrong, I shouldn't say anything because out of respect for you. On the other hand, there, if there are things going on, I feel like I've got to kind of sit on them, and it makes me feel like I'm not being totally honest with you. Does that make sense? You get what I'm saying? So what I'm doing is I'm telling him, if it was just easy for me, and for some of you, you're like, blah, blah, blah. I tell everybody everything anyway, so it's not a problem for you. But for some of us, it is a problem, and we don't know how to do this. If you've got to tell someone something tough, especially when there's something to be lost, one of the ways through that is to vocalize the bind you're in. Why is it hard for you to tell them? Tell them that. Does that make sense? That will do a wonders for soliciting his compassion. If I do it in a way that's sincere and respectful, let him know, here's the thing. So here's the deal. I'm in this bind. I got this. I got this. Um, is it okay for me to tell you some things that I've been feeling? Okay. See it? Good, good. Everybody, let's give Robert a hand. Great. Go ahead. I'm Colby. Colby. Sorry. For those of you who weren't here, I once made Colby stand for about three hours doing one of these things. All right. That's right. <laughs> 
I almost made you do it right now. I just wanted to see because you did such a great job. No, no, it's okay. All right. Um, okay, so now let's see. Colby is one of, is one of my best friends. He and I have been friends together since we were in second grade. We've uh, we've just yeah, that's right. We've been hanging out. Remember, you know, skateboarding and and what else did you do? Biking. Biking. Okay, so, all right, good. We were biking. Baseball. baseball that's right. We were baseball buddies. Legos. And what? Legos. Legos. <laughs> yes. How elaborate or how high? How many people went for how high? That was me right there. Yeah, how high can I build it? Okay. Um, the third tool is, so let's say we're going through our thing, and, and, and let's just say that we're, we're getting on in years. We're about, we're in our 40s, old. Um, 40s. Um, that's um, I'm 42, so that's, that's why I say that. Um, and let's just say that we're having a conversation. And let's just talk about, and, and let's just say that your, his marriage isn't going all that well. And, um, and let's just say that he comes to me and says, should I stay with my wife or should I leave her? Now, one way of telling the truth, this is a tough position. How many people have been put in a situation where someone comes to you and asks you for something very serious like a d- decision maker? Anybody here been put there? Yeah, it's hard. One of the ways through that is to speak about parts. Now, parts is one of those things that this may resonate with some of you who are more visual. It may not for others, and that's okay. Throw it away. But how many of us have ever heard us say, you know, a part of me feels this way and a part of me feels that way? Or I hate myself when I do this. Does that make sense? Or I feel torn inside. You hear Paul talk about it in Romans 7 when he talks about, I, you know, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I do want to do. Or what wretched man I am living in this mortal body of flesh. You hear him, this sense of tearing inside of him. This sense of, of, I have one part that wants one thing and one part that wants a whole different thing. And I could say this. I could vocalize a bind and speak in parts. I could say, well, let me tell you, I'm in a bind. Because if I tell you something, I'm afraid that, that, uh, that maybe you'll do it and it'll be the wrong answer. But if I, but if it, if I'm going to speak candidly, I'd say there's a part of me that feels like sometimes you aren't very kind to your wife. There's another part of me that feels like I get it. Like it would be so hard to speak kindly day after day with some of the ways that she treats you. So I've got both parts. What that does is it lets him have to wrestle. Make sense? I'm not answering for him. I'm speaking from truly different parts of how I feel. Does that make sense? That keeps us from getting in a tug-of-war. It's really hard to get in a tug-of-war with two different parts of me. He's got to pull on two things. Does that make sense? Okay, great. Everybody give him a hand. Great. Go ahead. Say your name. Uh, my name is Eric. All right, great. Okay, now, let's just say that uh, I just went through a series. Let's just say that, that Eric and I, we've known each other for a long time, and we're, we, we get together for coffee, and we check in with each other, and uh, I just went through... Do we just do this? Yeah, all right, because we're like surfing. We're, we also surf together. That's also part of our part of our world. We surf, and um, it's it. That's it. Taz with us, and um, and so we're out there. And he says, he says, uh, "How's your girlfriend?" How's your girlfriend going? And I say, oh, well, we just broke up. It's great. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah, we dated for three years, and I thought we were going to get married. But, yeah, yeah, we broke up. So, yeah, so I'm doing great. (laughs) That's right. That's how it is. Now, do you see the problem here? I'm not matching my face to what's happening inside me. And and you can use a $10 word called congruence. Congruence means you match your face to your gut which means that if you're feeling like crappy, don't let your face so, show sunshine. I get people who do this when they're nervous. They'll start laughing or they'll start smiling kind of 
compulsively. One of the great two of them, I'm fine, I'm fine, how are you doing? Does that make sense? It's just like a nervous thing. Which is, too, uh, yeah, <laughs> Eric going, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> um, so he's such a good sport. The, I know, it's right, sorry. Um, so one of the things that he's going, stop touching me. That was a great example of this. Like, stop touching me. Um, so the point is to match your, match your face to your gut is one of the ways that you can begin to tell the truth. One of the ways that we can omit the truth is by telling somebody something that doesn't match our face. Does that make sense? Now, here's what the research says. Guess if we're going to listen to words or watch the face more carefully. Face, you bet, every time. We're going to watch your eyes. We're going to watch your face. If you're feeling alone in a community, one of the things you might want to check is that when people ask you how you're doing, do you sometimes allow something that's serious to show up serious on your face? Or do you have a habit of smiling when things aren't great? One of the great ways to tell the truth, congruence. Great. Good. Eric. Good. Tell them your name. I'm Tad. All right. Great. Okay. This, one's, this is one that is a huge one for me. Um, so let's say that Tad is uh, married to my sister, and um, let's just say that uh, uh, he's he's got she's a good looking gal, um, and uh, and uh, let's just say that uh, he's coming to me, and um, and he wants to, some financial advice. So what would you say, dude? I need help with my portfolio. Okay. Okay. Great. First of all, it's a terrible thing that he's come to me to ask that question, but. Um, but let's just say that I was expert in that. Which, the, the fifth tool is check in with all four anchor points. What you think, everybody, willing to do this with me? Take your hand, put it right on your forehead. What you think on your chest, what you want on your gut, what you feel like this, what you want to do or what you think you should do. What's this one? Right? What's I want you out of my tree. Right out of there. Okay? Okay? All right. I, I have to remember things in really simple ways because my brain is very small. Okay, what's this one? Feel. Right. Let's ch- check it. Some, most of those feelings that you're not acknowledging are way down here. What's this one? Do. What you should do. What you should do. Right. Okay. So I would say something like this. I might say something. He says, I need some advice. And I might go right, to wh- right away to, what's the one that most of us are going to go right to? Right. Exactly. But guess what? What if deep inside I'm feeling like the honest thing is I really don't want to give you financial advice? So how many of us have given advice when the truth is, and it may be truthful advice, but the real truth was we didn't feel comfortable with it and we didn't want to do it and we didn't think we should, but we did it anyway. Does that make sense? So one of the ways that you can practice telling the truth is to do a check with yourself before I answer them, to check in with my gut. And I'll give, you a little t- I'll give you a little tool here. This is one that no one will notice you're doing, but sometimes I'll actually even put my hand right on my stomach because it just grounds me, makes me think, okay, how am I feeling? I'm feeling anxious. Why am I feeling anxious? Because if I tell them the wrong thing, that's going to be my responsibility. What do I want? I don't want to tell them this. What I do want to do is encourage them. What do I think I should do? I think I should tell them the truth. So I'm going to say, you know what? I would love to give you advice, but because of our relationship, I don't feel like it's the best thing to do. I do have someone that you can talk to. 
Does that sound okay? Great. All right, everybody, let's give him a hand. Great. Tell me your name. Margaret, okay. How am I doing on time? Am I doing good? All right, good. All right, we're cruising. Okay, good. Sean's like, what? I don't know. Uh, sleeping. Um, okay, good. The next one, the tool number six, identify and process your own source memory where you may have first learned to not tell the truth. All right. Well, tell, tell, tell your name again. Margaret. Margaret. Okay. So now let's just say that Margaret, this has nothing to do w- w- with us, but let's just say that Margaret hey, finds that, that, uh, there are, that at work she has propensity to, to tell people that um, she's doing great on sales. Every time they ask her, say, how are sales going? She says, I'm doing great. But in fact, her sales aren't doing that great. One of the things that Margaret can do, and this takes some work and reflecting, it may even take going to see a counselor, it may talk with friends, but one of the questions that you can ask yourself is, where is there a time in my past when I first felt that sense of, I better not get caught? Or that sense of, I don't want to be embarrassed? Or where was that first time you felt the pressure to make everything look like it's going great. And sometimes, if you could go back to that memory, now here's the trick. It's me a little bit of the counselor coming out, so some of you can just tune right out right now. Here's a little trick. Imagine you coming into that memory as you are now. And imagine with you that Jesus is walking right with you. You, 27, 28, 29, and Jesus are walking right in. That memory is happening. It's happening right now. Some of you are picturing it right now. And imagine that you and Jesus are sitting there. And ask yourself, what does that you that's as old as you are do? What does Jesus do? And imagine that Margaret has a memory of being a little girl and everything's going to pot in her parents' marriage. Imagine this. And she knows that if she can just keep the kitchen looking great and the vac in the in the in the living room vacuumed and she can everything keep everything spotlessly clean, that just maybe, just maybe the fighting won't go on in her house that night. Maybe, just maybe her parents will stay together. So she knows how to make sure everybody thinks everything's going all all, all right all the time as a way of trying. She doesn't know this. She's just little. She's only eight years old. She doesn't know this, but she's trying to save the family. It's a pretty loyal thing. Imagine Jesus coming into that picture with you now and seeing her at eight years old. And imagine you could walk up to her and say, you know what, Margaret, you're off the hook. You don't have to do it anymore. I'll take care of your family. I'll take care of you. It's done. See, Jesus used the imagination all the time to try to do stuff with people that was hard to picture. You want to know what the kingdom of God is like? It's like a field. And there's a pearl in this field. And you know it. So you go and sell everything you have to go get that. Do you see it now? Jesus used the imagination all the time. Identifying that source memory. Where did you start to learn to hide? See, we've got our original point in Genesis. But each one of us has got an original point in our own life. Sometimes going back to that and walking in there. See Jesus, see you, see the compassion that comes, see the release, see Jesus saying, hey, you're off the hook. Powerful. Thanks, Margaret. Good. All right. Go ahead. Your name? My name is Max. All right, Max. Okay. 
You guys still with me? Yeah? Okay, great. Seven. Okay, this one is look for the distance or pursuer pattern in your life. Look for the distance or pursuer pattern in your life. Let's say Max, he's got this great gal friend. He's been seeing her every time. But you know what? The, the interesting thing is, is that he keeps telling her, I'm so into this. I am in. I am in. One foot, two feet. I am in. I can't wait to be with you. 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 I can't wait. I'm in. And the moment that Max's girlfriend tries to get close, she says, you know what? We've been spending two nights a week. Let's spend four. Funny, somehow he starts to get a little busy. Suddenly some things start coming up. He starts getting to be about five minutes late. Suddenly she calls. She used to to call back all the time, back when he was pursuing her. And now she's there. And suddenly that's a little uncomfortable. It's kind of like when, you know, you kind of walk up to someone and you just put your... See what he just did? Right there. Right there. You got it? It's hard. You get, he's like, he's like getting more away. So I go like this and I get a little bit further away. Now let's just say I was his girlfriend. He starts coming in because I'm getting further away. But then I start going, okay, I'm in. He starts doing that. Check for the distance or pursuer pattern in your relationships and see if you can just be truthful to say, you know what? I got to be honest. Intimacy scares me. Have that conversation. Say, you know what? I got to be honest. I'm not used to a lot of closeness in my family. And so when you get close, I got to be honest. It just kind of freaks me out a little bit. I want to be with you, but I'm trying to navigate this. That's a way of telling the truth so that you don't have to play that game. Check and see. Sometimes we're telling people we want to be closer with our words, but our actions in just little passive-aggressive ways are telling them to get further away. Pursuer distancer. It's a little cycle. Okay? Good, everybody? Thanks for that. Okay. Go ahead. Christine. Okay, the next one is avoid going to the other extreme of truth-telling exhibitionism. Okay, this is why I canned some of the most, like, there was this period of time in the 90s where there was this sort of thing in vogue about getting up and just giving your testimony raw. <clears throat> and and, and there kind of went from one extreme where we weren't telling each other anything to telling each other things that were like, okay, I can't get that out of my head now, and I don't know you. Does that, that make sense? It was like trying to scrub, but I can't. It just, it's, it's in, so let's just say that Christine gets up there, and let's just say Christine's going to, she, she, uh, she, she's, um, she's uh, joining, let's say, uh, a small group for the first time. And on the very first meeting, they say, you know, tell us a little bit about you. And she says, well, I've got extreme bowel problems right now. <laughs> sorry, Christine, you didn't want that, did you? I'm so sorry. Do you get what I'm talking about? Do I need to keep going on this? You need to figure out how to find second and third gear. Does that make sense? Instead of like nothing or everything, try the middle. And you can tell, you can say, what's a way that she could tell that? Let's say it's true, which by the way, some, it, that would be terrible. But let's imagine that really is the truth. And imagine that that was really affecting her that day. And she really was having a hard time even being there. What's a way she could tell the truth without going to the extreme of telling everything that would be kind of like at a level two or three. I'm not feeling very well. That's true. Absolutely. That's the truth. 
versus telling nothing. If she was going to tell nothing, what would she say? I'm doing fine. I think fine can be one of the most common lies we tell. How do you say I'm not doing fine without going to the other extreme? That's the skill of telling the truth. Thank you so much, Christine. You took a hard Okay. Number nine, accept loss as a possible consequence that almost every adult eventually has to go through and can usually survive. Let me read that again. Accept loss as a possible consequence that almost every adult eventually has to go through and can usually survive. Not accepting loss as a possibility is the reason why if I'm going to not tell the truth, that's why I'm going to do it. Because what I'm trying to do is hang on to something that I'm imagining could happen if what's happened or what I've thought or what I've felt, if I can just shove it away, if I can just put it away, then maybe it won't exist. Because what I don't want is I don't want this to enter into our relationship and potentially, let's say Tom and I, we go way back, and let's just say that worst comes to worst, let's just say I accidentally dented his car. I was backing up. It's, I, I'm not used to the clearance on this car I have now. Bam! Oop. <laughs> Tom comes out and sees and he's prized. What's your, what are you driving? Uh, Toyota Tacoma. Oh, man! Toyota Tacoma! That's what I drive. <laughs> uh, and uh, so my Tacoma hits his Tacoma. Oh, man! What a comedy show that would be. Um, and, uh, and I come in there and he goes and he says, did you dent your, my Tacoma with your Tacoma? <laughs> Toyota should be paying us right now. And uh, now, here's the thing: is if I'm afraid that if I tell him the truth, that Tom's not going to be my friend. I mean, I've seen Tom. I mean, you know, he he, he may not want to be my friend after this. You know, I don't I don't know. And I'm I'm afraid that if I tell him the truth, if I'm not willing to accept loss for the sake of truth, then I'm much more likely to bend it or omit it, or change it just a little bit. Well, I have insurance. It's okay. <laughs> oh, you do. <laughs> I totally did. I banged into your Tacoma. All right. So does that make sense? What I've got to be willing to do is risk the loss that may happen in our friendship. Now, paradoxically, if I say, buddy, I've got to be honest with you. I wasn't looking. I backed up, and I dinged your, your, your truck. And I'm so sorry. And actually... I've got insurance too, so we'll take care of it. Now, paradoxically, and I've watched couples do this, where somebody gets into something, and usually these things happen over a slow period of time, kind of like boiling a frog. Like you put that, I don't, sorry, that's like my southern roots, my mom's roots coming out in me. You know how to cook a frog? You put it in the cold pot and turn on the heat? I'm sorry, yeah. That's, uh, let me change that analogy for those of you who are, not going to like that one. <clears throat> but usually these things happen slowly over time. Are you with me? Does that make sense? It's not like I went out and just decided I'm going to go do something like this. It just happens. It just all of a sudden I'm in it and, or I made one small decision or I did something and then suddenly another decision, another decision and suddenly I'm in it. But what I'm really afraid of is I'm afraid of I'm going to lose my friendship with Tom and I don't want to do that. But if I can recognize that loss is tolerable for the sake of truth paradoxically if I did tell you the truth would you be more likely to walk away or would you be more likely to feel honored I would respect that honest does it make sense 
That's the key. Most of the time when I watch couples get into this and finally one breaks down and says, okay, and uses some of this stuff. I'm going to tell you the bind I've been. Why I haven't been telling you the truth. There's a part of me feels this way. Part of me feels this way. Calming down. Okay. And then I'm going to risk loss here in this relationship. Paradoxically, there's a new trust that could, that can be built. There's a new possibility because you're watching someone put themselves out there. And I have to imagine that Eve had to feel this way with God. This sense of, I can just omit part of the truth. It's not like she overtly lies. The part she doesn't tell is that she chose. She just omits a part of what was true. And what I'm imagining is that she's afraid if she tells him, I chose this, that she may lose her relationship with God, that she may lose everything. Does that make sense? But what would it have been like if she had risked loss? Never going to know. Thanks, Tom. Good. Great. Go ahead. Say it again. Okay, good. Number 10, we're almost there. Consider the impact on the other of your timing and your details. Okay? Now, um, let's just imagine that Elena and I were friends. We've been going through some, some stuff. And um, let's just say that, um, oh, man, I'm going to use an analogy that, no, I'm not going to use that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Well, okay. Let's imagine Elena and I are married, okay? <laughs> Sorry, Tom. That's why I wasn't going to do it. That's why I was, I was like, Tom's bigger than me. I don't want to do that. So let's imagine that Elena and I are married, and let's just, let's just imagine that, you know, it's springtime around, our sex life's not going that great, and I'm walking around the streets, and I'm starting to notice that the you know, clothes are getting a little skimpier, and, and she says to me, so have you been looking at women? Say it. And I say, well, I have. Let me tell you about the specific gal I saw. See, she was like this, and she was wearing this thing, because I just wanted... Do you see her look on her face? Exactly. Mortified. See, here's the... And this is actually really painful for a lot of people. A lot of women go through this with internet pornography. It's a really tough, tough issue. Do you tell the truth? How do you tell the truth? And what I want to say on that, and this is a... Let's debate it. But I want to propose that you be sensitive to the impact that your details and your timing have on that other person. So it may be one thing to say, you know what, I'm having problems. I've got to be honest, I'm noticing that I've been looking around, but I don't know what that means between you and I. Does that make sense? I want to be sensitive to that. She doesn't, I want to propose that she doesn't need to know the details. She needs to know there's a problem. Does that make sense? She needs to know that I'm struggling. That's the truth. Does that make sense? Yeah? Thumbs up if you're with me. Thumbs up. Yeah? Okay, great. Thanks, Elena. Good. That was tough. Good. 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 I'm Kelly. All right. Kelly, let's imagine that Kelly has got to tell John that she hated his sermon. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that one thing that was so heretical, I can't even believe you said that, right? You got to tell him that. But, you, but you know, Kelly, Kelly, she is soft-spoken and doesn't like to... <laughs> She's, she's timid. She doesn't. She's shy. I know. I know Kelly. She's she's not like that. 
But let's imagine that she feels like she really wants this to be, she wants this to be better. Well, one of the things that, that Kelly can do is to just try on bravery. At the end of the day, telling the truth, sometimes you just got to choose and say, you know what, I'm just going to choose to be brave. And we do that to kids all the time. Be brave, be brave. I don't want to. <laughs> you know? And we think like after 18, you're like off the hook. You don't ever have to choose that again. But sometimes we do. You just got to make a decision. You got something tough in your life and it's time to say, you know what, I'm just going to choose to be brave. How many of you have even used the word brave in like the last five years? I, I don't ever use Okay, you have. I don't ever use that word. So, all right, great. Thanks, Kelly. Good, good, good. All right. I'm Courtney. Courtney. Okay, great. Courtney. Okay, the next one um, is avoid big, hairy promises. Avoid big, hairy promises. Cut them in half. See, the problem is that Courtney, she's late all the time. I don't know that about you. Is that, is that sometimes? Okay. But we're just going to say all the time. She's late. But she just started dating this guy who's on time all the time. And one of the ways that he gets shown love is when she does what? Be on time. So she says to him about being on time, because she's going to tell him a big, old, fat, hairy promise. What would you say? What, what would I say? What would you say? Just say I something. Like, yeah, I you promise to be on time all the time. Absolutely. Do you get it? Perfect. Yeah, exactly. She says, okay, because I love you, I'll be on time every time. That's not true. <laughs> it feels good right in that moment because he just gives Courtney a big old hug and says, thank you, because that's the way I feel loved. <laughs> Until I suddenly sounded like Charlie in the box from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, so she, she suddenly, she, she, so one of the things that she's got to do is avoid making that big hairy promise to him about being on time every time. Avoid saying always or never. See if you can eliminate always and never out of any promise you make. Because you're setting yourself up to not be telling the truth. So what's something you could say to your boyfriend about being in on time? That's, that's something that you could maybe reach for, that you could shoot for. I'm going to try to be on time. Great. Good. Because she can do that and keep her word. Thank you, Courtney. Good. Good job. Will you tell, tell everybody your name? I'm Noel. Noel. Great. All right, Noel, we're so glad to have you. If you've never heard Noel sing, you need to hear her voice. She's a beautiful singer. All right, the next one is practice keeping your words somewhere tangible and specific that only you can see. So let's imagine that Noel, one of the things that she says is she says to herself, I want to try to go to the Compline service. I know you do. It's one of the places I've heard you sing. It's beautiful. So let's say Noelle decides that she's going to go to the compliance service and she makes a little promise to herself and says, you know what, I think I'm going to try and make it three out of four times. Now nobody else knows Noelle's promise. She's not telling somebody else, I'm going to be there every time. She's just making a little internal promise to help work out that muscle of keeping her word to herself. Does that make sense? 
So she starts to do it. And the first time she goes, the first month, she's only there twice. Okay, well, something came up, something came up. But she keeps that. She says, you know what? I'm going to try it again. I'm going to say I'm going to be there three out of four times. And the next month she makes it three out of four times. No one even knows she's doing this. She's doing something. Not out of legalism. Not because she has to be there because she's going to be loved by God more. But because there's some place specific where she can make a small promise to herself and practice keeping it so that she can be in practice of keeping her word when it matters. Set your own small practice stage where you make a small commitment to yourself and keep it. And if you don't make it, cut it in half. She, let's say Noel goes two, t- two months in a row. She's still only making it twice a month. So she says, you know what? Next month, I'm going to make sure I go to Compline twice a month. Not because of anything else, but that she wants to get in practice of keeping her word, of telling the truth to herself. Thanks, Noel. Yeah, Everybody, it great. Be five times. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Do you, do you want to just? I wish you a short one. And I wish you Jesus more than anything. Yay! All right. That's good. That's good. Okay, great. Thanks, Noel. Okay, good. We're almost done. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. All right, go ahead. Okay, Courtney. All right. Now let's just say Courtney. She just told the truth right there. I, don't, I feel like I don't even. I don't even need to do this. This one doesn't fit you. Um, the the fourteenth one is admit you sometimes stink at this, especially when you're tired, pressured, scared, or when it pushes certain triggers. So let's just imagine that Courtney. Yes. Yeah, Courtney. So let's imagine that Courtney is coming home. For Christmas, and you know that time when you go to Christmas and suddenly your parents can make you feel like you're like seven again? You know, the thing they do, they, they kind of come in and they say, you know what, uh, we're just really expecting that this time around you're going to be letting us know where you are, you know, and keeping your room clean, okay? So good to have you home, you, okay? Now imagine that Courtney's gone through this all her life, and even the moment her mom raises her eyebrows, her blood pressure's already raising, and it's already going. This is a trigger for her. Does that make sense? Now, one of the things you can do is just try to get it out. But another way you can do this is tell the person that you really, you, you really have a hard time saying what's really true for you. So what might you say to your mom in that situation if you were going to tell her that it's hard for you to tell her the truth? Mm, I'd probably say this is really hard for me to be this honest. I don't want to hurt your feelings, Great. but I'm 26. Great. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Actually, perfect. Good job. Everybody, last one. Let's give her a hand. doing pretty good. Okay. The last one is, remember that God doesn't quit on you or your story. Say your name again. I'm Jen. Jen. Okay. Now let's just imagine that Jen way back when, let's just imagine that Jen had a tough relationship in high school. And let's just imagine that that relationship that had a hard breakup and, and there was some, some deceit on his part. Let's just say it really wounded her. I'm sorry. You, you're sorry. You just, you're going, you're saying, I don't want to be in this one. <laughs> But let's just imagine for a minute that Jen can feel like God kind of left her. This is one of those things where one of the things that Jen can do is in her prayer is to realize that God comes for her again and says, where are you? 
I haven't forgotten about you. I've not given up on your story. There have been some consequences from that bad breakup. You've been hurt. You've had a hard time trusting. That's okay. But will you let me make new clothes for you? Will you let me rebuild your heart, your trust? Will you let me do a new thing in you? Thanks, Jim. Good. Appreciate it. That's 15. That's amazing. So here's the end of it. My challenge to you is you have someone in your life right now that matters. And I want to challenge you this week to think about how you can practice being someone committed to getting better. And I'm going to do the same thing. I've got someone in my mind right now. Whether there's a truth that you've not told them about what you think, what you want, what you feel, what you think you should do. Whether you've been in a place where you're getting really anxious and so when you try to start talking, you don't let them know the real you. Maybe there's a situation where you're not telling that person, but you're telling everybody else. And you need to go and take it to them. My challenge to you this week is step into it. Step into this element of discipleship. Our memory verse, you got that? Jesus says, I'll make it really simple. Matthew 5, 37. Everybody say it with me. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Matthew 5, 37. Just like Bible camp. All right. God, thank you for this time with everybody. Lord, I pray that we walk out of here with even just a couple of these tools and a sense of empowerment, a sense of saying, Lord, if it is... If it is to be, let your spirit give me the strength to do some of these things, to step into this. Lord, to step out of the fear and the, and, the, and the feeling of being scared, to be who I need to be, to ask for what I need to ask for, to talk about what I need to talk about, so that my relationships reflect you, grow life, and ultimately glorify you and your kingdom here on earth. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.